talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moises Sori, and this week's mini-episode is our So You Want to Be a Pirate Starter Pack, where you learn about the roles and positions of pirates. Next week's episode is where we'll talk about pirate lores, ghost ships, and the like. But for today's episode, sit back and enjoy as you learn what a pirate really is, a few fun facts about pirate life, and what it is to be part of a pirate's crew. So the term piracy, it's an offense against a universal law of society, whether it's pirating movies, games, music, or clothes. So a pirate is a seaman or robber who attacks, seizes, or destroys any ship on any sea. Pirates were also involved in other illegal activities such as the disgusting slave trading and human trafficking. During the golden era of pirates, piracy was punished by death fucking everywhere, and pirates are sometimes confused for privateers who are basically navy soldiers whose actions were always legal or at least legalized and buccaneers who were lawful soldiers that harassed spanish ships and ports in the caribbean but the main distinction was that these two groups operated under the guise of getting paid pirates weren't just out in the open seas for money but they were out here because of their spirit their hunger for adventure and danger and i think most of all for fame or for most pirates infamy a pirate ship was no place for the weak, but being a pirate gave you a freedom unlike no other. You're able to do as you pleased, when you pleased. And pirates have been around since before Jesus Christ was even a thing, and are still active to this day. Pirates, you know, they were also your regular Casanovas. Blackbeard is rumored to have like 88 wives, 14 to be exact, but they were all about getting drunk and celebrating for the sake of celebrating. And when they weren't out pillaging and robbing ships blind, they were usually somewhere drunk singing a sea shanty or two. A pirate's life is sometimes looked back with rosy-colored lenses and is often romanticized. But in most cases, a pirate's life was anything but nice or happy. It was a cruel existence, violent, and more often than not, very, very fucking short. A career in piracy never lasted very long. Most usually sailed for two to three years before they were caught or died in battle. While some other pirates' fates, they were just lost to time, like the infamous pirate lord Edward Ned Lowe. So when we think of pirate captains, we usually have this image of this hard-ass, one-legged monster that commanded with an iron fist. Nobody could sneeze nor take a breath without his orders. But what if I told you that in most cases, this wasn't true? Most pirate captains were selected because they were respected by the crew and not because they were feared. Think of the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Dead Men Tell No Tales, where young Jack Sparrow helps Black Pearl escape Captain Armando Salazar in the Devil's Triangle. He basically outmaneuvers the ships and by losing them, the crew of the Black Pearl promoted young Jack Sparrow to be the new captain of the Black Pearl. 
So when it came time to elect a captain, the crew looked for someone who was able not to only commandeer a ship, but to navigate one as well. A huge must was that this person was a courageous individual and was proficient in both sword and pistol fighting. The only time a captain had absolute, total control was during battle, but other than that, in everyday life, captains didn't really have any more right than any other crew members. Even courses on where they would sail were determined by voting. In military rank, there was always a huge gap between a common sailor and an officer, but on a ship full of dusty murderers and gap-toothed thieves, most decisions were determined by voting. Everybody had the same rights and their roles and duties were appointed only according to their abilities and knowledge. So right below the captain, we have the quartermaster. The person with the most authority on a pirate ship would be the quartermaster, the captain's right hand man. The quartermaster was in charge when the captain was not around. He could punish men for not obeying his commands and was in charge of food and water supplies. Below the quartermaster, we have a sailing master. And these guys, they were officers in charge of navigation and piloting the pirate ship. This was one of the hardest jobs on a pirate ship because as you can imagine, during those days, charts and maps were either usually fucking wrong or just didn't outright exist. Most sailing masters, you know, they were captives and prisoners as the education to be a sailing master kind of was required. And then we have the gunners. So these assholes, they were the leaders of small groups that were in charge and operated the artillery. They stayed vigilant at all times and watched for the safety of their man, and were usually the ones aiming the cannons. So on a regular military ship, it would take years of practice to become a good gunner, but it was even harder on a pirate ship, because pirates rarely wanted to destroy other ships. I'm assuming raiding a sinking boat is pretty fucking hard. So they would rather just disable the ship. So for just one cannon to operate efficiently, a small group of four to six men were needed to aim, fire, reset, swab, and reload the bastard. And on top of this, they had to coordinate with other gunners all while doing 10 things at once. So usually there would be a master gunner to prevent the commotion and random fire. He was the one giving orders when the captain was just not around. And lastly, we have the powder monkey. And the powder monkey would be boys who are usually no older than 12 to 13 years old and they assisted the gun crews. And they were forced to perform the most dangerous work on most ships. And they were treated harshly, were rarely ever paid, and were the most expendable. So we've all heard the saying sent to Davy Jones's locker, which was made famous worldwide by the Pirates of the Caribbean films, but many don't know the origin of the saying or who the fuck Davy Jones really was. So the saying sent to Davy Jones's locker meant that the person had died or drowned at sea, and it was first mentioned in a book in 1752, and it's a nautical term for the graveyard of sailors and pirates at the very bottom of the ocean. So the legend of Davy Jones was ridiculously popular among pirates and symbolize the horrible, horrible spirits of the deep. And pirates, they loved to mention him in their phrases, such as to be sent to Davy's locker, which meant to die at sea, to awaken Davy Jones, which meant to cause a storm, 
to see you to Davy Jones meant to threaten to kill somebody and to be in Davy's grip to be close to death or frightened. But who is this Davy Jones? Aside from representing the devil, saint, or god of the sea, depending on who you are, the earliest mention of Davy Jones comes from the book Four Years Voyages of Captain George Roberts, where it's described that Davy Jones it describes Davy Jones as a deity of death and the final resting place of the dead sailors. Throughout the years, many of the origins propped up with a popular one being that Davy Jones was a British pub owner who put his drunk customers into his ale locker and dumped them onto any passing ship, or that he was Duffer Jones, which is basically who was basically a pirate with a condition that often led him to fall asleep and fall off the ship. Other theories are that Davy Jones' name came from came just by altering the names of older saints and spirits, like the Welsh Saint David, who protected sailors in the times of mortal danger, and the West Indian ghost duppy or evil angel called Jonah. So during the golden age of pirates, many sailors refused to discuss anything related to Davy Jones. He was the he who should not be named of the sea. But there was a standing tradition of celebrating the crossing of the equator line that included paying homage to Davy Jones. Davy Jones has appeared in almost everything, from horror stories from the pedophile writers such as Edgar Allan Poe, the story King Pest, famous works of literature such as Herman Melville's famous novel Moby Dick, but his most important appearance, to me at least, was in the iconic Pirates of the Caribbean movie franchise, where he was this evil undying spirit that collects the souls of dying pirates while skirting the seven seas on his flying Dutchman. And his locker, it was literal hell for all those dead, wet souls. So let's talk about the infamous pirate Edward Lowe. So Edward Ned Lowe was an English criminal sailor and pirate. He took up piracy sometime around 1722 and was really fucking good at it estimated having plundered hundreds of ships over the course of his criminal career. Lowe was known for his cruelty towards his prisoners and was greatly feared by all who knew of him. So Lowe was born in London around the 1690s and as a young kid, he was a thief and a gambler. Growing up rough like he did, he would often bully other kids for their money and would use his strength when he would be called out for cheating, which he was known for doing and he would beat up those calling him a cheat. When he got a little older, he went to sea and worked in Boston where he would repair ships rope. But eventually getting tired of just being on land, he got a job on a ship that was headed to Honduras to just cut wood. This was a risky job as the Spanish Coastal Patrol would attack anybody cutting log if they were spotted. So one day on the job, after a long day of cutting logwood, the captain ordered Lowe and a few other men to make one more trip so they could just get the hell out of there. Lowe lost his shit and shot at the captain, missing him but killing another sailor. So the captain marooned Lowe and a few other men for their insubordination. But Lowe and the marooned men soon after captured a boat and they eventually just turned pirate. So on their new boat, the new pirates then headed to the Cayman Islands where they met a pirate named George Lowther. George invited the man onto his ship, Happy Delivery, and offered Lowe and his men to join his fleet as he was in need of men. So Lowe agreed and immediately was made lieutenant. Within the next few weeks, 
that helped George and his happy delivery capture a huge fucking prize. A 200 ton ship Greyhound, which they just burned. Over the next few weeks, they took other ships in the Bay of Honduras and Lowe was promoted captain of a captured 18 cannon ship. Not long after though, while the men were refitting the ships on what they thought was an isolated beach, they were attacked by a large group of local natives. They managed to escape, but they lost most of their loot and the happy delivery was burnt to the ground. So with the remaining ships, they set out once again in capturing more merchant ships and trading vessels. It was around this time that Lowe decided to part ways with George, and Lowe was in charge of a huge ship with two cannons and four swivel guns and had 44 men serving under him. So over the next two years, Lowe became one of the most successful and feared pirates in the world. He and his men would capture and rob dozens of ships and vessels from the coasts of West Africa to the southern United States. His flag became a beacon of death as the red skeleton on a black field became well known and feared. So even though he became known for being a ruthless barbaric pirate, Lowe was a clever man who would only use brute force when necessary. His ships would collect a variety of flags and would often approach his targets while flying the flag of Spain, England, or whatever nation they thought their victims might be from. Once they were close enough, they would begin firing which usually demoralized the victim's ship into surrendering, and Lowe preferred using a small fleet of two to four ships to outmaneuver his victims. But Lowe's reputation at sea washed ashore and the threat of force from his fleets were an actual real threat. On more than one occasion, he sent his messengers to coastal towns threatening an attack if they were not given food, water, or whatever else they wanted. Every once in a while he would hold hostages, but more often than not, the threat of using force worked and Lowe was able to get away with what he wanted without firing a single shot. But his reputation for being cruel and ruthless wasn't without merit. On one occasion, as he prepared to burn a ship he had recently captured, he ordered the ship's cook to be tied to the mast and be lit on fire. And his reason was that the cook was a greasy fellow who would sizzle. On another occasion, they hung two fries from the front of the ship and jerked up and down until they died, while Lowe's men cut a passenger to pieces for looking sorrowful at the fate of the two friars. But things didn't last that long for Lowe, so while he was sailing his flagship Fancy in 1723, they ran into a 20-gun Greyhound Royal Navy ship that was on the lookout for pirates. The Greyhound pinned the Ranger, a ship accompanying Lowe's Fancy, and shot it down immediately. Lowe then decided to run, leaving his other pirates to their own fate. All pirates aboard the Ranger were captured and brought to trial on Rhode Island. 25 men were found guilty and hung. Two more were found not guilty and sent to prison, and eight were not found guilty on the grounds that they had been forced into piracy. Nobody knows what actually happened to Lowe after this. Rumors have been floating around for centuries about his later life. One rumor states that Lowe was never captured and spent the rest of his life in Brazil. Another rumor suggests that his crew got tired of his cruelty. He apparently shot a sleepy man that he had fought with earlier that day, causing the crew to despise him and label him a coward. So they sent him adrift in a small ship that was found by the French and was tried and hanged. Despite the rumors, many historians can agree that by 1725, Lowe was no longer an active pirate.
So before I say goodbye, I wanted to end this episode with some cruel accounts at the hands of pirates. As David accordingly states in Under the Black Flag, on April 14, 1718, pirate captain Charles Vane and his crew took the Bermuda Sloop Diamond, beat up the captain and crew, looted the vessel, and singled out one crew member, Nathaniel Caitlin, to be hung. Vane's crew believed Caitlin was dead, but when they pulled his body from the noose, he was seen to revive. Whereupon one of the pirates hacked him across the collarbone with his cutlass, and would have continued until he had murdered him had not one of the other pirates persuaded him it was too great a cruelty. Vane's crew then set fire to the diamond, but Caitlin luckily not only survived this treatment, but also escaped to describe the events in an official deposition to Governor Benjamin Bennett of Bermuda. Accordingly also tells of how Governor John Hart, writer to the Council of Trade and Plantations in London from St. Kitts on March 25th, 1724, described an attack on a Portuguese ship traveling from Brazil by the pirate Edward Lowe. After the ship's captain dropped a bag of gold into the sea to keep the pirate from taking it, Lowe cut off the said master's lips and boiled them before his face, and afterwards murdered the whole crew being 32 people. Hart obtained these details from Lowe's captured quartermaster, Nicholas Lewis. The pirate's own book describes how a group of pirates sailing under Captain Edward England met an old captain of theirs named Skinner, whom they felt had treated them poorly. They laid hold of Skinner, tied him fast to the windlass, and pelted him with glass bottles until they cut him in a shocking manner, then whipped him about the deck until they were quite fatigued. Remaining deaf to all his prayers, and at last, in an insulting tone, observed that as he had been a good master to his men, he should have an easy death, and upon this, shot him through the head. According to the Buccaneers of America, a compilation of contemporary accounts of piracy, a typical death was particularly gruesome. After cutting open the stomach of his victims, extracted one end of his guts, nailed it to a post, and then forced the man to dance to his death by beating his behind with a burning log. Accordingly describes Henry Morgan's advance on the fortified Santiago Castle and the Spanish port of San Geronimo. He used several women and old men, and some friars and nuns dragged from the church as human shields for his advancing men. The soldiers in the castle fired a cannon loaded with a chain shot, killing one of Morgan's men and wounding the two friars. After Henry Morgan's men took another castle, his men tortured a Portuguese man. Four stakes were set into the ground, and the man was suspended between them by cords attached to his thumbs and big toes. As quoted, then they thrashed upon the cords with great sticks and all their strength, so that the body of this miserable man was ready to perish at every stroke under the severity of those horrible pains. Not satisfied as yet with his cruel torture, they took a stone which weighed above 200 pounds and laid it upon his belly as they intended to press him to death. At which time, they also kindled palm leaves 
and applied the flame onto the face of this unfortunate Portuguese man. Burning his whole skin, beard, and hair. And there we have it, folks. That is it for this week's mini-episode. But don't worry. Next week, the guys will come back as we cover all things pirates, where we talk about pirate ships, pirate tortures, pirate lingos, and things of that nature. Thank you, guys. And as always, we are the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. <laughs>